Welcome back. Let's continue on. Now, I was just handed to me a report that you can find on probe, P-R-O-B-E dot org and crosswalk.com. And here's what it says. A November 2021 survey of born-again Christians under 40 reveals that 70% of them do not believe that Jesus Christ is the only way to salvation. Mohammed and Buddha were also valid ways. Chrislam, right? And what did I say? What's next to fall? Buddha. Now you get all of those together, and what do you have? Three quarters of all the religious people on earth. A similar percentage of the same group. Now listen to this. Those young born-again Christians do not believe that God's laws are absolute. So once you get people away from the laws of God, and who is responsible for that? The very ones that are worried about this thing. And that is the older Protestant leaders. But what have they done? They have sown the seeds of their own destruction by saying what? The laws are done away. Which is saying... They're not valid and they're not absolute. So you see what happens. Lies from the Protestant pulpits have sown the seeds of their own destruction. And now the older ones are beginning to get worried. Well, what are we going to do in the future? Well, you better repent and come to God and start preaching his laws and his commandments. Because the reason Christ is coming is because the whole world is going to be what? Worshiping Satan, the devil. Now, we're going to see that after the martyrdom of the saints is complete, then God begins to intervene in a great and spectacular way. Remember what we read on trumpets. Isaiah 40. Every mountain will be lowered and every valley shall be exalted. Now I want you to think about that on a worldwide plane. What's going to happen? Okay. Now we find that right here in Revelation 6. And this is up to the completion of the two years of Israel in tribulation. Here's how Christ is going to intervene. And this is going to be absolutely spectacular. 
So let's read it, verse 12. Revelation 6. And he opened the sixth seal, and I looked, and behold, and there was a great earthquake. What do we read in the Old Testament? I'm going to shake the heavens. I'm going to shake the earth. And those people who don't believe that God's word is absolutely true, they are going to be utterly terrified. Because God is going to show he is God, and Christ is the only way. So when that happens, because of everything that takes place, and the sun became black as the hair of sackcloth, and the moon became as blood, and the stars of heaven fell to the earth. Now you talk about, I'm going to get everybody's attention. This is it. Think about that. I don't know what's going to happen when the skies roll back as a scroll, but I imagine that's going to be an awesome thunder and crashing because God is going to come and reveal himself to this world. And the stars of heaven fell to the earth as a fig tree cast its untimely figs when it's shaken by a mighty wind. Then the heavens departed like a scroll that it being rolled up, and every mountain and every island was moved out of its place. And the kings of the earth and the great men and the rich men and the chief captains and the powerful men and every bondman and every free man hid themselves in the caves and in the rocks of the mountains. God gets the attention of everybody on the earth. Remember what it says about the return of Christ? Every eye shall see him. And they said to the mountains and the rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb, because the great day of his wrath is come, who has the power to stand. All right, let's see how Jesus described this. Because when the heavens open up, what next? What's going to happen? All right, come back to... Matthew 24. Now, we covered this on on trumpets, but I want to cover it again because it's going to be such an absolute great event to take place. This is going to be the greatest thing to hit the earth from the creation up to that time. Matthew 24. Because Christ said he's going to give the sign of the Son of Man. Now, verse 26, when things get desperate and there's a lot of trouble and sickness and disease and all of this, famine and death, okay, they're going to say to you, verse 26, therefore, if they say to you, come and see, he's in the wilderness. That is, Christ is in the wilderness. No, he's not. Do not go forth. Come and see, he's in secret chambers. Do not believe it. For is the light of day. Now, what is the light of day? The sun. 
For as the light of day, which comes forth out of the east, shines as far as the west, so also shall the coming of the Son of Man be. So when the heavens roll back, the sign of the Son of Man will appear. Now what is that? As I have mentioned before and written about and spoken about, that will appear as a second sun. Somewhere out in the solar system, but far enough away that after the shock of the first of that taking place, then they will accept the lie that this is the Antichrist and the invasion from outer space. Okay. Now, let's see a verification of this in Malachi 4 and verse 2. So let's go back to the book of Malachi, the last book of the prophets, Malachi 4 and verse 1. Okay. Because now starts the intervention of God, and we're going to see how powerful that's going to be. Verse 1, Behold, the day is coming, burning like a consuming oven, and all the proud and every doer of wickedness shall be stubble. So much for all of those who say the laws of God are not absolute. The absolute God and absolute Christ is going to bring absolute power, and he's going to destroy, and he's going to kill, and he's going to rid this earth of everyone who goes against him. And the day that comes shall burn them up, says the Lord of hosts. Eventually, the wicked will go into the lake of fire and will leave them neither root nor branch. But unto you who fear my name, here it is, the son of righteousness. Now, years ago, when I first read that, I thought, well, we're not to worship the Son, are we? Hmm? No, we're not. Because the Bible says they worship the Son and the Moon, and we're not to do that. So I looked at that, and I, I didn't know how that fit in. Okay, It has to fit in when the rolling back of the heavens like a scroll occurs. There will be this second son, the sign of the Son of Man. He is coming. Now then, let's ask the question again, when does this occur? This occurs at the end of two years of the three and a half year tribulation. Okay? Now then. At first, they're going to say it's Christ is coming, which is the sign of his coming. It is not his coming, because this takes place around the time of Pentecost, if not on the day of Pentecost, at the end of two years. 
of tribulation against the children of Israel. Okay. Now what happens when that occurs? All right. Let's see. Let's come back here to Revelation 7. Because this is, event is going to bring a lot of people to their senses. They are going to know that this is the intervention of God. Okay? So what do we have? Chapter 7. We have quite a thing taking place. Now, let me ask you a question. From Pentecost to trumpets, how long is that? That's about four months and between ten days and two weeks. Okay? So after the rolling back of the heavens and the appearing of the Son of Righteousness as the sign of the coming of the Son of Man, then there will be this great calm. And when that happens, okay, let's read it, verse 1, chapter 7. And after these things, I saw four angels standing on the four corners of the earth, holding back the four winds of the earth, so that the wind might not blow on the earth, nor on the sea, nor any tree. And I saw another angel ascending from the rising of the sun, Isn't that interesting? The son of righteousness, okay. Having the seal of the living God, and he cried out with a loud voice, saying to the four angels to whom it was given to damage the earth and the sea, saying, Do not damage the earth and the sea or the trees until we have sealed the servants of our God in their forehead. In their foreheads, okay. So there's 144,000 out of every one of the tribes of the children of Israel, except Dan. Because Genesis 49 says, Dan will wait for his salvation. All right? What does this prove? These are people, correct? They've gone through the first two years of the tribulation, correct? Wasn't Israel in that part of the tribulation suffering? Yes, indeed. All right. What does it prove? It proves that at the end time, there are descendants of what? The 12 tribes of Israel. All right. So you need to get the book, America and Britain, their biblical origin and their prophetic destiny, and also this book, The World's Greatest Throne, and you will see that the people of Israel have always remained. But they went into northwestern Europe and into Britain. Okay. Now then, not only that, After that, we have this. And after these things, I looked and behold a great multitude, which no one was able to number, out of every nation, tribe, and people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and having palms 
in their hands. Now, this does not mean that they are immediately coming to the throne of God. Because no one comes before the throne of God until when? The first resurrection takes place. Right? But this shows where they will be when they are resurrected. Now, many times the Bible shows things this way. That they're going to happen before they happen. All right? So this period of time... Pentecost to trumpets is when they are converted. Now then, the next Pentecost is the resurrection. Now put in your notes. These are the ones of the parable of the workers in the vineyard who were hired at the 11th hour. And they received the same pay as the ones that started in the morning. And that's a parable to show eternal life is the same for everyone, whether you've been converted all your life or whether you have been converted for this one-year period from Pentecost to Pentecost. Okay? Now then. We come to chapter 8. Chapter 8. Remember chapter 6? The first six seals are open. Okay. Chapter 8. Now we come to the terrible and worst wars that the world will see. Chapter 8. And when he opened the seventh seal, now remember this, none of these events take place without the permission of God the Father in heaven above. Okay. Christ opens the seal, every one of them. So he is the activator of it. And here's what happened. Open the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for the space of a half hour, and I saw seven angels standing before God, and seven trumpets given to them, and another angel who had a golden censer came and stood at the altar, and much incense was given to him so that he might offer it with the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar that was before God. Okay? Who are all the saints at this time? Well, they are the few that are in a place of safety. They are all of those just converted right here in Revelation 7, the 144,000 and great innumerable multitude. And don't you think they're going to have very fervent prayers every day with all the things going on? Yes. And it came before the throne. Verse 4. And the smoke of the incense went up before God from the hand of the angel ascending with the prayers of the saints. And the angel took the censer and filled it with fire from the altar and cast it into the earth. And there were voices and thunders and lightnings and an earthquake. Now notice how many times the whole earth is shaken at this time. Okay. Then seven angels who had seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound their trumpets. Okay. 
And you can read all the all of them. The first verse seven, second verse eight, third verse nine, third angel sounded his trumpet. Let's read this. Verse ten. The third angel sounded his trumpet, and there fell out of heaven a great star burning like a lamp, and it fell on a third of the rivers and on the fountains of waters, and the name of the star is Wormwood. And a third of the waters became Wormwood, and many men died by drinking the waters because they were made bitter. Okay, Now these four trumpet plagues come one, two, three, four, in very fast sequence. Then the fourth angel sounded his trumpet, and a third of the sun was smitten, and a third of the moon, and a third of the stars, and a third of them were darkened, and a third part of the day did not shine, and likewise a third part of the night. So this is quite a thing. See? Now, when that first angel did what he did, all the grass was burned up. Now, we'll see something when we get to chapter 9 here. Now, what happens when you have all this destruction and doom and gloom? You probably have a lot of clouds and rain that take place. Okay, When it rains, what happens to grass, even when it's burned? It grows back, right? The grass has, has no consciousness about what else is going on. If it gets water, it grows. Okay? So this is what we find, chapter 9. Okay? And the fifth angel sounded his trumpet, and I saw a star that had fallen from heaven to the earth, and there was given to him the key of the bottomless abyss. Now this star, in this case, is an angel. Okay? Now what is the bottomless abyss? That's where all the demons are in prison that are in prison. So he opened it up, smoke came out like a great furnace, verse 2. The sun and, and the air were darkened by the smoke from the pit. And the locusts came out of the earth, and from the smoke and power was given to them as scorpions of the earth have power. And it was said to them that they should not damage the grass of the earth. Well, it grew back. So it shows this space of time of four and a half months from Pentecost to trumpets. Okay. And a little bit more. Nor any green thing. But only on the men who did not have the seal of God in their forehead. So when were they sealed? Chapter 7. 144,000 great in Innumerable multitude. Okay. Then it talks about this great battle that they are in. This is when, this is when the king of the north hears tidings out of the north and out of the east. Because there is coming the greatest gathering of armies that the world has ever seen. Okay? 
Because by this time, they're going to be thinking that when the next event happens up in the heavens, that it is the Antichrist coming to take over the earth. That's why they all fight against it. Okay, verse 11. And they have over them a king, the angel of the abyss, and his name in Hebrew is Abaddon, and his name in Greek is Apollyon. That's Satan the devil. Okay. First woes passed, behold, after these things, two more woes are still to come. Then the sixth angel. Now we'll just summarize it by this, saying this. When the sixth angel sound his trumpet, that paves the way for the river Euphrates to dry up because there are four demons sealed somewhere in the river Euphrates. So when that is sounded, the river Euphrates dries up so way of the kings of the east can come. And they're numbered 200 million. 200 million. So if you think China is rising to be a power now, wait. It's going to be more gargantuan, and the other countries of Southeast Asia and India will eventually join them. Okay? So then they will come toward the Holy Land. We find that in Joel, the third chapter, where God says, that he's going to gather all nations into the valley of slaughter. And that's on the plains of Megiddo, just north of Jerusalem. Okay. Then we have chapter 10. Chapter 10 is, is a chapter where there's going to be another quick warning by the servants of God And, of course, we don't know how many there will be out of the 144,000 in the great innumerable multitude. There may be a number of ministers who are going out, and they're going to warn of what's going to happen, which is pictured by the little book that John was to eat and the seven thunders. Now, No one knows what the seven thunders are because God told John, don't write it down. And there are people who think, well, I know what the answer is. What they do, they go back to the seven seal and try and make them the same as the seven thunders. But they can't. Then we come to chapter 11. All right? Now, let's see what happens. Chapter 11 is when the seventh trump is sounded. Now, if you have seven trumpets, which one is the last one? I mean, even second graders could figure that. Number seven, right? Okay. The last trump. What does it say it's going to occur at the last trump? The resurrection. All right? So let's see what's going to happen here. We know that during their ministry, no one is able to come and destroy the two witnesses. 
Now think of this for a minute. With all of this going on on the earth, what does God use to show his power to the world? Two men. The most powerful men in the history of the Bible. Against whom? The beast and the false prophet. And they won't be able to kill them till right at the end. Because if anyone tries to kill them, fire comes out of their mouth. Now, if you don't think that's a pretty powerful thing, okay, but right at the end of the 1260 days, Satan is able to get them. So they die. Their bodies are left on the streets of Jerusalem. The whole world is rejoicing. But their joy only lasts for three and a half days. Because here is where the first resurrection begins. And it begins with the two witnesses who are the last two martyred and the first two raised. How are they raised? All right. Verse 11. Then after three and a half days, the spirit of life from God entered into them, and they stood on their feet, and great fear fell upon those who were watching them. And I heard a great voice from heaven say, Come up here. Now think about all those who were watching this close up. Okay. And they hear this voice. Come up here. And they ascended into heaven in a cloud, and their enemies saw them rise. And here's what happened afterwards. And there was a great earthquake, and a tenth of the city fell. Seven thousand men were killed in the earthquake, and the rest were filled with fear and glory to the God of heaven. The second woe is past. The third woe comes immediately. Now, what is the third woe? That's the sounding of the seventh trump and the resurrection of the saints from the dead. Okay? So let's read it. Then the seventh angel sounded his trumpet, and there were great voices in heaven saying, The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign into the ages of eternity. Christ is given authority at the sound of the seventh trump to take over the world. And the 24 elders who sit before God on their thrones fell on their faces and worshiped God, saying, We give you thanks, O Lord God Almighty, who is and who was and who is to come, for you have taken to yourself your great power and and have reigned. And the nations were angry. And your wrath has come. Now, the wrath of God is separate from the seven trumpets, as we will see. And time for the dead to be judged and to give reward to your servants, the prophets, to the saints, and to all those who fear your name, small and great, and to destroy those who destroy the earth. Okay? Then notice what happens. A little sidebar on verse 19. Where is the ark of God? 
Okay. Some think it's buried below where the temple was. One man, Ron Wyatt, says that he saw it digging down there. But that must have been an apparition that he had. Let's see what it says. And the temple of God in heaven was open, and the ark of his covenant was seen in his temple. Okay. So did God take it up there? Jeremiah didn't have him have it when he left. The Babylonians didn't take it to Babylon with them. The Romans, when they conquered in 70 AD, didn't find the Ark of the Covenant. So God must have taken it up in heaven to remove his presence from the people of Israel. All right. Then we have chapter 12. Goes back for a whole history. Isn't that interesting? Chapter 12 covers the greatest space of time of any prophecy in the Bible because it covers it from the beginning of God's plan, which was before the ages of time. Okay? Then we have chapter 13. We've already covered that. Then we have chapter 14. So let's go there. All right. Now, the three angels' message. Okay. Let's read them. Verse 6, Revelation 14. And I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to proclaim to those who dwell on the earth and to every nation and tribe and language and people, saying, Fear God, give glory to him, because the hour of his judgment has come, and worship him who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and the fountains of waters. Okay? These three angels had to bring their message before the tribulation took place. Okay? Otherwise, it would be too late. Okay? And that also is probably why the repentance of the 144,000 and great innumerable multitude. All right. Second angel cried out saying, Babylon, the great city is fallen, is fallen because of the wine of the wrath of her fornication, which she's given all nations to drink. Okay. Verse 9 Third angel followed, saying with a loud voice, If anyone worship the beast or his image or receives the mark in his forehead or in his hands, okay, he shall drink the wine of the wrath of God, which is mixed undiluted in the cup of his wrath, and shall be tormented in fire and brimstone in the sight of the holy angels and of the Lamb. You have to warn about the mark of the beast. What? before it comes. So these three angels had to bring their message before the tribulation began. Now let's look at it in verse 12. Here's the patient of the saints. Here are the ones who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus Christ. Okay? And this shows 
that in order to keep the commandments of God, you've got to have faith. Verse 13, And I heard a voice from heaven saying, Right, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from this time forward. Yea, says the Spirit, so that they may rest from their labors and their works follow them. So this has to be before the tribulation begins. All right? Then it jumps ahead, verse 14. I looked and behold a white cloud and one like the Son of Man sitting on the cloud having a golden crown on his head and in his hand a sharp sickle and another angel came out of the temple saying with a loud voice to him who's sitting on the cloud, thrust in your sickle and reap for the time has come for you to reap for the harvest of the earth is ripe. Okay? This has to be the first resurrection. Okay? So let's bring us up to date here in just a minute. What's going to happen? Here, all of this time, down through what we've been covering, there has been the second son out there as a witness. Okay? Now then, when the trumpet sounds and the resurrection begins, what's going to happen? All right. Let's see that the Bible does one thing here. It talks about the resurrection of the saints. Then it talks about the resurrection of the ungodly and incorrigible wicked. Okay. And what would happen to them? Cast into the great winepress of God. Okay. Now, verse 20. And the winepress was trodden, trodden rather, outside the city, and blood spewed out from the winepress as high as the horse's bridle at the distance of a thousand six hundred furlongs. All right. Now then. It completely changes to Revelation 15. So let's read that. Okay. This is why Revelation 15 and 16, as far as the wrath of God is concerned, is not a result of the seventh trumpet. Okay. Because here's what has to happen. First of all, verse 1 Revelation 15, Then I saw another sign in heaven, great and awesome, seven angels having seven last plagues, for in them the wrath of God is filled up. This is separate from the seven trumpets. Okay? Then it changes. Look at verse 2. Just out of nowhere. And I saw a sea of glass mingled with fire, and those who gotten victory over the beast, over his image, over his mark, and over the number of his name, standing on the sea of glass, having the liars of God. Okay? And they were singing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and awesome are your works, Lord God Almighty. Righteous and true are your ways, King of saints. Who shall not fear you, O Lord, and glorify your name? 
for you only are holy, and all nations shall come and worship before you, for your judgment has been revealed. All right? Now, the sea of glass. How do you suppose that gets there? Now, we saw about this on on Pentecost, so you can go back and see that the sea of glass was also there when Moses went back up with the 70 of the of the leaders of Israel, and they saw God walking. They looked up through the sea of glass and saw God walking on the sea of glass. Okay. It was like crystal. So here we have a sea of glass. How does that get there? Well, let's think of it this way. Here's this sun out there still shining. When this moment comes and ready for the resurrection, this comes streaking to the earth. And this causes all the nations to just go absolutely crazy. And it will come into the area of the clouds and expand out into a great sea of glass. What for? So the saints who are resurrected in the first resurrection will come up to the sea of glass, and there, if you want to know everything that's going to take place, go back and watch the message on Pentecost. We'll receive our names, we will receive our rewards, we will receive whatever God wants to give us, and there will be then the marriage of the Lamb, and the church, and there will be the wedding supper of the Lamb. Okay. Revelation 19. And when all of that is finished, now think about this. We will be on the sea of glass from Pentecost at the first resurrection until trumpets about four plus months and then we come back to the earth. Okay? So we get our assignments. We know what we're going to do. And when we're raised from the dead, since it's including generations down through clear, going clear back to Abel, all resurrected, what does God have to give us at the resurrection? He has to give us all a new language, right? How are we going to understand one another if that doesn't happen? When God created Adam and Eve, did he put a language in them? Yes. All right. Are we, as created spirit beings, is God going to put a language in us? Yes. So we can know. What are we going to do when we get to the earth? Who's going to rule over what? Who's going to follow whom? Because we have Abel. We have Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We have Noah. We have all of the prophets and some of the kings of Israel. Then all of those from the church down through time, from the time of the resurrection of Christ until his return. All there on the sea of glass. So then, marriage supper of the Lamb takes place, okay? And then we come back to the earth, okay? 
And we are ready to rule. We are ready to enforce the laws of God. Okay? So we will see that. Okay? Verse 11, Revelation 19. And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on it was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness does he judge and make war. Okay? And his eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no one knew except him. He was clothed with a garment dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. Okay? Then the armies in heaven were following him. That's everyone who was resurrected in the first resurrection. Okay? And will be on white horses. Now that's going to be interesting, isn't it? Huh? Okay. And then we come back to the earth. And on the way down, verse 17. And I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried out with a loud voice, saying to all the birds that fly in the midst of heaven, Come and gather yourselves together to the supper of the great God, that you may eat the flesh of kings, the flesh of chief captains, the flesh of mighty men, the flesh of horses, the flesh of all of those who sit on them, the flesh of all, free and bond, small and great. Now, how is that going to happen? You go back to Zechariah 14, and it says what? Their flesh is going to fall right off their bones. Now, you talk about an awesome weapon. That takes care of all of those armies from the 200 million to come and fight against Christ. See? And that four-and-a-half-month period from... Pentecost to trumpets, and the last trumpets when we come back to the earth, those armies are going to be moving toward the valley of slaughter. And it's going to be something. You can, you can just about hear what it's going to be, see? Because Revelation 16, let's go back and we will look at that. Here's what's going to happen right after the resurrection. Revelation 16, the seven last plagues are poured out. Okay? And that comes directly from God because he gives the seven vials of the seven last plagues to the seven angels. I don't know if they're the same ones that blew the trumpets or not. But this happens after the resurrection, and before we come back to the earth. And we find when the sixth angel sounded, Revelation 16 and verse 7, poured out his vial on the great river Euphrates, and its waters were dried up so that the way of the kings of the rising of the sun might be prepared. Okay, And so that's how all the armies get there. And it's going to be this. We must, all of us, get together because the demons coming out of the beast and the false prophet and Satan to convince the nations to come and fight, 
they're going to believe that this is an invasion from outer space, which it is. Right? Yes. Okay. So that ties in over here that we read in Revelation 19 and verse 11. Okay. Then the first thing that has to take place, you must get rid of all the demons and you must get rid of Satan, the devil. And that's pictured by the Day of Atonement. And where are they put? They are put into the abyss. And a seal is put over them so that they don't deceive the nations anymore. Okay? I hope this helps give a clear understanding of the flow of events as we understand them up to this point of the things in the book of Revelation. And that these seven last plagues are in addition to the seven trumpet plagues. Okay? So let's look forward to the Day of Atonement, and that's going to be a great day when Satan is put away and removed. So we'll see you next Sabbath.